right, ladies and gentlemen, you're back for another episode of Blake's Buzz. And with me this time, we have the most gracious and excellent writer, Doug Wagner. You guys may uh, know that name from a really cool comic that came out a few years ago called Plastic. He has gotten back with uh, that mostly the, the same creative team to put out a brand new issue that came out this Wednesday uh, called Vinyl. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the last Kickstarter he did, because, you know, on Blake's Buzz, we love our Kickstarters. Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh man, it's a pleasure. I like I said, I've uh, I've been a fan of your writing for a while. Um, plastic really, really blew my mind, man. Like all these all these people told me about it, you know. And, and when they tell you the premise, oh, it's this it's the serial killer, and he's in love with a sex doll, and you're just like, can it get crazier? Yes, it can. Like, <laughs> uh, but it's it's oddly like charming. Like it's really not the demented, gross like it has a totally different vibe once you start reading it in a, in a great way. How did that come about? And, and was it hard writing this up in a pitch and sending it to publishers and be it like, how did you doctor that pitch to get them to really pay attention to it and not just be like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. I mean, dude, it was, you know, there were people that were saying, I mean, in the, the exact quote was don't do this. Like this, <laughs> this will be the end of your career kind of thing. And um, it all kind of started like, Back in the day, Brian Stelfreeze and Eric Layton and I uh, were taking a road trip from Atlanta to Baltimore uh, because we didn't want to ship the booth that we had at the time because, you know, at that time, shipping a booth like that was like a grand. So we decided we were going to like, you know, all night it, get, a, get a minivan and, and drive up there. And as you know, you get crazy, you know, hanging out with those two, you get a little nutty anyway. And when you cross the Virginia state border, instead of them having a welcome to Virginia sign, they have buckle up Virginia. And so, as you know, because you've read Plastic, that's the last words out of Edwin's mouth in that book. Yeah. And so when we passed that sign, the whole idea came to me. Like, seriously, like the muses just stuck it in there and went, serial killer, blow up doll, buckle up, her name's Virginia, go. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously it took a little while to get things going from there. Like I pitched a couple of things to Dan Daniel Hilliard, who's an artist on that book, as well as Vinyl. And, um, and it's surprisingly, like, he's the sweetest guy I know. And he's like, I want to do plastic. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> you know, this is really different. And yeah, I mean, he definitely wanted to do it. We were going to do it, whether we, you know, we had, we didn't have a publisher at the time. Daniel just started drawing pages. And, uh, and yeah, we, we put the pitch together. And I'm one of those guys that like, I'm pretty transparent. I don't want to surprise a, a publisher with something. You're like, hey, wait a minute. You told me this was PG and now there's nudity in the middle of this book. So I was straight up with everybody. Um, the first publisher we pitched it to was like, you know, hey, this isn't for us. And I was like, yep, I understand. <laughs> um, had a pitch meeting. And this one, you know, these are always terrifying to me. Um, at San Diego, the year before Plastic came out, uh, Eric Stevenson at Image said, hey, I can give you 15 minutes. I'll be in a conference room. Come show me whatever you want to show me. So we had everything on an iPad, you know, so you could just kind of thumb through the pages. And it's one of those weird experiences because Eric, like, when he gets deep in thought, he has no emotion on his face. And so he's like the impossible to read, right? <laughs> no emotion whatsoever. So he flips through like the first two issues and, you know, and he looks at me and I'm like, oh, here it comes. I'm going to get like, what are you thinking? You're crazy. And he goes, when can we schedule this book? Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just like one of those amazing, like, oh, wow. I didn't think that was going to be the reaction. Um, Cause you know, the, the reactions had always been so mixed. Like you said, like when you're pitching the book, people will get offended. So I've had people like at shows, like, one at one show, a guy asked to have me removed from the show because of the book. Oh, wow. You know, you know. So you're just like, well, wait a minute, you didn't even read it. Like you're just basically, <laughs> you have some kind of like weird offense to a blow up doll, 
I don't want to get too deep into that, but like, if that's your problem with my book, like maybe you should read it first, you know, like, yeah. So it's just, so that's like the whole story of like how it all, you know, the, the short version, obviously of, of, of how it all came to be. That's cool, man. And and I, I like that you guys like made this tight bond. I love that you got, you kept the team together mainly, except for the, the addition of Dave Stewart, which I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be mad if, if Dave Stewart comes in and wants to color your comic book. Oh, he's no, a, no, no. He's a good, he's, he's very talented. Um, yeah. Vinyl was so wonderful. Um, so I'm, fr- I'm from Kansas city. This is happening. Oh, nice. I live in Kansas city. So yeah, I opened in the pages. I was like, I was like, Oh shit. Like, that's awesome. We just, we don't show up in a lot of movies. We don't show up in a lot of books. And I, I've only read Christopher Sabella did a comic book that started in Kansas city, but didn't stay there so yeah just seeing starting in, in kansas city uh at a at a little you know outside outside you know cafe i was like i was like well i'm in you know already <laughs> and i'd already i'd seen some pages and you know like i was pretty excited but yeah man i am beyond stoked to see where you take this like that was just a that was a really strong premiere you guys you guys get bloody and violent quickly and the stakes escalate like instantaneously and so it's just like, you know, when I'm thinking of structure and stuff, I'm like, man, where are they going to go? Like, we're not at the, we're not at the cusp yet. You know, like we're the climactic arc we're climbing still. Like, so you guys are going to get crazier. And I'm just like, oh, oh, I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I mean, you never, you know, I mean, when you put out a new book, it's the first issue is always probably the scariest to me. Cause you're like, man, I wonder if this is going to resonate with anyone. And, you know, we had to pack a lot into that first issue because we struggled to even to get the story down to six issues. So, you know, it's like, man, We've got to pack a lot of story in this first one because we got a lot of serial killing to do. (laughs) We wanted to really pack it and try to like, you know, typically I would probably take two issues to do everything I did in that first one. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. But, um, but dude, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, we just keep ramping up and, um, I mean, we picked Kansas city kind of the, what the fun part about that was like, it's the heartland of America. Right. So, you know, you hear that kind of stuff about that section of the country all the time. So I wanted that because I wanted, you know, the book to be really about heart. And then the duality of Kansas City being on a state line, I was like, ooh, this is kind of cool. Like, this is like the perfect spot to put this. Because even in the beginning, like you've got an FBI agent and a serial killer. One thinks they're best friends. One thinks they're not. You know, so like there was a lot of fun to play with there. And, and I've been through Kansas City a couple of times, too, and love the town. So I wanted to uh, at some point put that in a book. So I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, man, I was I was just stoked. And you're a really good character writer, first of oh, all. Thanks. Like you have this like there's this large, healthy amount of charm like into your narratives and into your characters. But it's really crazy to think that like thinking back to Edwin and thinking of Walter, and you write these really compelling deep uh charming and oddly emotional serial killers like i would want to have a beer with these guys like (laughs) you know like i would i would i would invite them over for dinner at the risk of not making it out alive (laughs) yeah i mean dude you know that's the i think the trick there for me is is again you know it, it comes back to heart and what I love about a lot of my friends is their quirkiness. And so I kind of always lean into like making characters just a little bit different, a little bit quirky and not worrying about trying to make them a little bit too perfect, you know, and, okay. and you know, cause I like when my friend, I have a couple of friends here that I hang out with on a regular basis and they're, and they're all very quirky and the stuff that comes out of their mouth out of the blue, you're like, what? <laughs> and so that's kind of like what I try to, and, you know, kind of use those kind of things to help people fall in love with somebody like Edwin or Walter. It's like, Hey, let's make them quirky, but fun. But you know, they're like you said, there, there, there's heart there. You can tell they have a good heart 
and they also have a you know this demonic side so <laughs> you know yeah it's, it's just you know I, that's what i try anyway you know like i said you never know if it's going to work out so i'm glad you're enjoying it Oh, I mean, that's, that's the story. Like I I'm not a huge, like real crime buff. I, I'm not one of those people that like listens to all the podcasts and watches all the documentaries, but I've watched a few and that's, that seems to be the gist of it is these, these really successful serial killers are your neighbor are the people that you wave to when you're taking out the trash. You, you never, you know, like they don't act evil. They don't, they don't act, you know, suspicious. They, they're, they blend in perfectly. This, this like social chameleon with the insane dark side but when we see in vinyl i mean so it's already you know it's it's already come out so like you know spoiler alert but <laughs> he's really good with a knife and he's like black ops ninja-esque actually like <laughs> right. he, like he like almost teleports from like one side of the room to the other when these guys with guns and he's just he's just got a blade oh man and, and the art like hilliard did such a great job with those scenes and the colors and the, the way like the flashlight hides his his movements and stuff and the panel layout like you have a really great creative team um oh yeah on this yeah book. dude can't speak enough about everybody involved um daniel's amazing you know we work together so well uh you know we constantly collaborate on every step of the process all the way through it dave stewart of course you know i mean eisner winner nominated <laughs> how many times like yeah. i mean it's endless <laughs> um but surprisingly like i think a lot of people don't know like he's still very humble and very easy to work with loves notes that kind of stuff uh, ed dukeshire the letter i mean you know he he's just he he should be in more conversations i understand that like comic books is a community effort right it's yes you write the script and and writers are, are amazingly talented but artists also tell the story and you know if there is a colorist the, the colorist helps the artist bring out their vision and there helps the writer bring out their vision and you know without unfortunately with letterers it seems like a lot of people don't notice the letterer until you come across bad lettering and then you realize right. how influential they are to the, to the comic but it's like this is how you're getting the story the word like they are presenting you the words in a way that doesn't you know like interfere with the art and the flow um and so like yeah a great letter is amazing and i love that ed got to just flex in this because it gets so violent and i think in my review i said like all his sound effects are like wet and raw sounding and yeah. it's just like you can you you can always tell a letter is, is great when you like see the word but hear it and like sometimes it especially if it's like a gross scene or like they're hacking off a limb and it gives you that like you know like it like gives mm -hmm. you the shivers and he does that and i just thought that was really cool oh yeah i mean like i said i mean i've, I've worked with ed now for geez like at least 10 years and i love his work like absolutely adore working with him he's amazing you know, and then, I mean, you, you know, to talk about Shasha, uh, Sasha Head as well, uh, the designer of the book. Like, I mean, I thought she did a phenomenal job on the, like, inside front credits and, mm -hmm. you know, the whole design. She designed the logo. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, dude, like, I was lucky. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> like, you try, you try to put together the best team you possibly can because, to me, just like you said, every single aspect of the book either hurts or helps the book. Mm -hmm. And so the whole team has to be on the same page and has to be good. And and if, if, you, if you're lucky everything works. And that's what I'm hoping. You know, I think vinyl turned out, it looks really great. Yeah. It's a very, uh, it's a pretty, the, not just the art, but like, like I said, like layouts, the title page, the credit pages, the logo looks great. It's a very polished package. 
which I mean, you guys are all vets now, right? Like you guys, oh, you guys yeah. have been, you guys have been around the, you've been around the block enough times to, to know how to put out a great comic, but I, it's, it's cool, man. I, I just, uh, I like how you write serial killers and I like these crazy stories and in vinyl, it even gets crazier. Cause it's like, it could just be a federal, you know, Dennis, the, the fed and, and Walter, the, the serial killer that they're trying to catch in this weird relationship that, is going to exist between them. But then you add the biggest wrench you can find and throw that in the gears with this cult scenario and Dennis's daughter. And it's just like, Whoa, like it just moved so quickly. I had to read it a couple times just because the, the first time I'm really bad about when I get into a comic, I read it too quickly and I, I forget to like slow down and appreciate the art and look for little details and stuff. And so a lot of times, you know, it's just like, I read it like once real quick and then I'm like, Whoa. And then like, you know, I start over and like kind of look at the panels and think about how they lay out and, you know, just to kind of really appreciate what's going on. I had that problem with this. Cause it's just, once you turn that page, it just moves and you can't stop it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a boulder rolling down a mountain, man. And it, it, there's no controlling it. It's, it's not going to stop until it gets off that mountain. And that's how I was, man. I, I couldn't stop flipping those pages until there weren't any more pages to flip. And then I was like, well, shit. Cause I, I've got yours, uh, two weeks before release date. And so I read it a couple weeks ago and now I have to wait like a month and a half for issue two. Like that's the only problem about like, I always wanted to be like one of those people that could say like, Oh, I read this comic early and I can't talk about it. And now I get to say that now I have to wait two and a half months to get the second issue. It's kind <laughs> right. of a bummer. Yeah. I, I never thought about that as a, as an issue, but I can definitely see the same thing. I mean, it's like, yeah, now you, not only that, but like, you can't talk about it really yeah. for two weeks, you know, like, wait a minute, what if you love it and you want to tell everybody, Yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, well, I mean, I can write a review, but I can't really, really talk about it. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. And as someone who I like to talk a lot <laughs> so it's like hard. And, and I've especially had to learn like in these interviews, cause there's been a couple instances where like, you know, the, the guys have told me like, so they're, they're like, you can't put this part in the podcast. And I'm like, all right, it's cool. But like, so like now I get like these little industry like secrets and then I'm like, I'm like, Oh man, that's so cool. But like, then you really can't say anything. Cause then you like get in trouble and people get mad at you. So like, it's a different world, man. Like I said, I went from tweeting about comics and just kind of talking talking to friends about comics on Twitter to trapped in the house, uh, working from home, started doing podcasts. Now I'm here, uh, kind of, kind of doing my own thing with launching the blog, trying to do this, this Blake's buzz deal. And really, um, you know, I used to be obsessed with, with DC. I'm really into the indie scene now and like indies and, and kickstarters and like just the weirdness of it all and i like the the freedom you guys have to to tell crazy stories like this because it's just like yours especially man like i i mean even your spy story yumi like i you that's not even a normal spy story like you're just you put this little doug wagner spin on everything and it's <laughs> awesome oh thanks yeah i mean yumi's like a totally different like yeah if you like plastic and vinyl yumi's not in that vein whatsoever um but you're right like it, it always has you know it's going to have a doug wagner flavor to to it obviously <laughs> um but yeah i mean Hoyt came to me and he was like hey man this is like what if we flip the james bond thing you know and we talked about one of the ex-girlfriends and so that kind of just developed into this like okay here's this young very capable asian american who 
has fallen in love with a British special agent and then they disappear. And then she decides she's going to go find him, you know, because she's she believes this is true love. And so she just starts tearing down every intelligence agency in the world trying to find him. Ex-girlfriends, intelligence agencies, whatever it takes to find the, the love of her life. And um, dude, it's just like over the top action, fun stuff. I mean, the stuff that's right in Hoyt's wheelhouse as far as like what he's really good at doing. Yeah, he's good. I like oh, yeah. I liked his art a lot. And, uh, yeah, it, it was um so that that was the order I, I read them in. I read I read, you know, plastic, I read vinyl. And I've got a, a list of, of some of your other 12 gauge stuff, um, which which I'll talk about in a little bit uh, that I want to read more of your stuff, basically, because I really dig your shit. But like Yumi, I backed it on the Kickstarter. Um, Thank you. And it was a really it was a cool sounding Kickstarter. And everybody, you know, they, they were like, the, you know, the guy who wrote Plastic is doing a Kickstarter. I'm also obsessed with raccoons. I think they are like little forest magicians. Like, I, I just love them. And so, oh, there's this ninja assassin with a raccoon on a cover. It's Doug Wagner. It's bright and beautiful. Like, okay, done. Like, I'm backing it. And you, you almost got me for a metal cover because I, uh, like, when I saw you did, like, the metal trades, I really wanted one. But I, I had to I, I had to settle for just the, the regular trade. I read the the digital copy uh, recently, knowing we were going to talk because I was I was going to wait for the trade to come um, so I could like hold it and read it. I like digital comics, but I'm a collector and I'd like holding things in my hand. But yeah, I, was, I, I read it and I was like, wow, this isn't like anything I've read by Doug, but it has that charm. Like Yumi is very charming. Uh, so is Jules the car. I, I couldn't believe how attached I got to this car. To, like <laughs> that was just amazing. <laughs> But yeah, um, so I heard the other day, hard part about comic art is making it feel like it's in, in motion when it's mm-hmm. static, you know? And that like blew my mind. I was like, holy, I was like, wow, I never thought about that. But I mean, yeah, like I, you read these big hero comics and these big action comics and, and big splash pages, you know, they don't move, but feel like they're moving every panel in Yumi in motion and wild the colors, the, the, the action in it, the, the fights with the fatals, like man and i really liked the interview at the end when you talked about kind of how it how it came to be just like talking to someone at, a, at your neighbor at a con table like, oh that's yeah. crazy yeah i mean dude that's you know and again why you know you and i talked before we got on about you know like me missing cons and, and missing you know just talking to normal people face to face and i was just one of those deals to where like you know you do enough cons and you tend to make friends with the people sitting next to you because you know i'm you know, I'm not like Scott Snyder or Jeff Johns where I'm sitting at a table at a con. I've got a constant flow of people. You know, <laughs> it's like I've got some time to talk. So, like, you make friends with your neighbors. And uh, Hoyt and I kind of knew each other a little bit before that show. But Heroes Con that a couple of years ago, like, we were sitting next to each other. We just start, you know, talking and realize, well, like, we love the same things. And, you know, basically, and I can't remember which one of us mentioned, I was like, we should do something together. And we were both like, as long as it's over the top, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it has to be over the top action. And we're like, done. And that's kind of how it got all got started. And, like, I think a month later, we were working. You guys did the Valentine mini part first, right? Is that the, the part you included at the end of the trade? No, that actually we did last. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was the final. Like that was just for Kickstarter. Oh, okay. So we'd already finished you. the regular book and did the uh, Valentine thing as kind of like a special just for the Kickstarter. She's just such an interesting character. How like off the wall she is, and and I love how she has like a, a murder playlist for like 
every situation her dad's always calling her like when she's in the middle of and she like tells him she's like sorry dad i'm murdering people right now like (laughs) yeah i mean you know all that stuff you know obviously comes organically and then when we first started doing you me like i knew i wanted music but like hoyt and i were trying to figure out how you deliver that in a comic book you know so luckily with um you know kevin leonard it's the the colorist and then um uh, frank that kovic um the letterer like we all kind of work together to try to figure out how, like, how do you deliver music in a comic book? You know, like, and I think what we did turned out really well. Like, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just wanted her to, you know, she's young, she's into music, and uh, she's kind of a daddy's girl. You know, so like every time daddy calls, but it's that sassy kind of like almost teenage, you know, oh God, it's dad again. Yeah. Dad, what do you want? Like I'm in the middle of something, you know? And of course he always calls at the worst time. He really does. Well, and boy, we kind of find out he's kind of the worst person too. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Not, yeah. Like your serial killer characters, you know, these are characters where you're like, you wouldn't think they're good people. Like, oh, the assassin with a heart of gold or like, oh, this, this, the serial killer that you'd want to have over for dinner. Um, <laughs> but you know, she is, she's this like really upbeat assassin assassin who's who just doesn't give a shit and wants to do her own thing and is deeply deeply in love and and is chasing her lost love which is kind of that that in itself is just kind of beautiful and then the hellish streak that she like trails like she leaves like a fire trail across the world oh yeah like just a trail of explosions and bodies and and just piles of rubble just as she goes looking for her fiance i don't know like i just i really connected with that as like a I, I didn't expect to read like a story about the uh, hopeless romantic assassin. Right. They say like great writers use cliches in fresh ways, you know? And, and so it's like, it's hard to write a, a, a story about a hopeless romantic because everything's been done yep. unless you make her a, a freaking assassin <laughs> <laughs> right. or like, you know, or even like serial killers, like I've seen movies and stories where serial killers find a relationship and fall in love but not with a blow up doll. And, you know, like you, that's what I, I, that's what I'm calling like these little Wagner twerks that you put on all your stories that like, you're a freaking genius, man. Like, I don't like it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, thank, I mean, I'm, you know, genius is a, is a big word. So don't, you know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it just comes down to like, I try to write and work with my team as well, but like try to write something that I would enjoy. And what I'm always looking for is like, like you said, the kind of like that unique twist on stuff and like, what's, you know, give me something that I haven't seen before. Obviously you are going to have seen there's, there's murder stories, there's love stories. Um, how can you mix those two into something that I would want to watch or I would want to read? And so yeah. that's kind of like my base of where I start. And, you know, I just, at that point, you know, you just shoot for the moon and you, and you try your best. Um, you know, and obviously like, I'm glad you're loving it. So, you know, it's, it's, you never know when you're doing that kind of stuff, but that's what we're always aiming for. I mean, Hey, your, your aim is on, sir. Like you're, you're on target. I, I really like it. I think, uh, I think vinyl's been well received too. Like my people on Twitter, uh, a lot of, I even saw like a couple people like, you know, cause everybody on Wednesday, the Wednesday warriors like post their hauls, you know, like these, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, man, I need a better job. Cause I can't afford to buy the comics oh, yeah. you guys do every week. Um, but so, you know, they, they, they post the pictures of their hauls and a couple people would like hop in and be like, Oh, you didn't get vinyl. And I was literally seeing like people post a picture of a haul getting ready to sit down and read and then running back to their comic book shop to pick up vinyl and they were like oh i forgot and i thought that was really cool and i, I like how i i tried to enter it uh the your haiku review oh yeah challenge yeah. i was like 
I was like, yeah, I'll try. What's funny is I was like, I, I work from home too. And so I was working and, you know, like the phone kept ringing and I'm like counting syllables. And I had to like, <laughs> like I, I, I might have missed a couple calls because I was like, one, two, three, four, five. Okay. One, two. <laughs> Oops. Like they quit, they quit ringing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, hakus are actually pretty fun to, to write once you figure out the method and stuff, but yeah, you're right. I mean, then it becomes like, what's, what's a different word for giddy up, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> um, you know, cause you're trying to figure out those syllables, but yeah, that, that, that was a fun contest. I think it, it'll be interesting to see all the reviews once they're all in on, on how that works out. Yeah. I, I, I had fun with it and I, I read a couple of them too, and they were funny. And then and like, right after reading a couple of them, I was like, shit, I want to like delete mine and make a better. So that was 12 gauge. That was their Twitter. You're, you just write for 12 gauge, right? Like, are you, or are you involved on like the publication side of it? I'm, I'm involved a little bit on the publication side, but like Kevin Gardner basically runs the company. So he's kind of a president and, you know, he yeah. runs all that stuff. Brian Stelfreeze and I are kind of like part of owners in the company in a way that we're almost like con consultants. So Kevin calls us and he's like, Hey, I'm thinking about this, you know, and he'll call me for some of the, the business stuff and some of the writing side of the stuff. And he'll obviously talk to Brian about, you know, logos and design and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're all pretty tight. I mean, I've talked to Kevin and Brian pretty much weekly on different nice. stuff. Um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's just a, like nice little boutique publisher, you know, and, and we're all trying to just like do the best books we possibly can. Those are lately some of the best comics I've been reading uh, yeah. is these weird little pop-up publishers. And um, like, you know, one of the, the hot ones right now, TKO, like they're, mm -hmm. they've been putting out, but I mean, even they're, they're getting a lot bigger than they were a year ago you know like they're uh they're just being able to produce a lot more stuff i'm I'm really into behemoth comics um they're putting out some really unique stuff but these these little publishers the, the little publishers that put out big books with big ideas and mm -hmm. i love that you guys can take risks with them because it's really cool seeing writers that already impress you have someone say like no get weird like seriously do whatever you want, like kind of do whatever you want, but you know, right. like they, that freedom you guys get from that, which is also what I hear, you know, there's, there's a lot of goods and bads about Kickstarter on, on your guys' side, like buyer side, it's pretty awesome. You know, just waiting for it, you know, like it's oh, the, yeah. the only downside. Everybody seems to really, even people that have written for bigger publications that put out a Kickstarter book, like they key, they mention that every time I talk to them is that freedom. And, and I feel like that's what helped Yumi be really special too, was that, yes. that freedom where you guys just got to be like, tell this weird, almost an anti-love story in the end, because <laughs> it, it totally turns. I really uh, enjoyed this like hidden commentary because, you know, the dad's trying to like turn everything back to the eighties. Yep. And there's a lot of that discourse that where like people say like, well, you know, you know, comic books in the nineties, you know, like there's like, there's that, you know, like new age comic books. Bleh. And I really liked that, how you guys were like kind of making fun of it uh, as and, and turning it into this like metaphor in a, in a really smart and creative way. But it was just funny to me because it's like the dad is hates technology, wants uh, video games with one button. But his, the whole way that he's been able to do this is his like insanely successful hacker daughter who is <laughs> who has the most technical technologically advanced everything. <laughs> like he couldn't do that without her. And so it was, I don't know. I I thought it was really smart how you guys kind of address this thing of like 
don't be scared of the new, you know, yeah. or, you know, like em embrace what's new, embrace new trends, be creative in new ways. Don't just do the same thing that everybody else is doing. And I think that's why your books are great. Cause I, I damn sure can't find anything else that's like similar to what you guys are doing. <laughs> and I, th I think you hit the, the right button for me. Like, I mean, I think with 12 gauge and like you talked with behemoth and, and vault and TKO co companies like that, um, we are shooting for this, you know, the stars kind of thing. And, and I think the freedom of going, listen, don't try to do what Marvel and DC are doing because you can't compete against that. You're never going to compete against Marvel and DC as a, as a small publisher. Go for the other people. Go for the other fans. If there's bleed over, that's fantastic. You know, and, and obviously with comics, there's always going to be that. But do something different. Do something new. Take the chains off and go for, like, go for it. And I think if you can keep that in your head and, and stop worrying about trying to fit in what we've already seen in comics, you'll be successful. I think that's the key is like, just go for it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Do, do you ever get hung up on yourself? As, as I've mentioned, you know, you put these really intense twists on things, but like when the, when the light bulb goes off and you're like, okay, this could work. Did, did, you, did you ever think like, oh no, I, I, I went to Wagner. I can't go to Wagner. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, it happens. You know, I mean, I'll, I, I send emails constantly, probably once a week to one of the creators I'm working with going, is this too far? <laughs> and that's another good point that you're bringing up. Cause a lot of times I give advice on people of like, when I'm talking to new, new team members and stuff, like when I'm talking to Dave, I'm like, Dave, like, I know you're new to this team, but like, we go for it here. I want you to go so far that I tell you, you've gone too far. The interesting thing about that is I've never told an auto, uh, an artist they've gone too far. <laughs> Even though you're trying, you know, you're like, Daniel, go too far. Try to go too far on this tour. I call you and say, hey, dude, that this is too much. It never happens. And That's sometimes awesome. I got to listen to my own advice on that. You know, like you said, it's like, no, dude, go full Wagner. Like, unleash <laughs> it. Like, don't hold back. Like, you know, if it's making you scratch your head going, is that too far? That means you should probably do it. Nice. That's good. Yeah. That's really good writing advice. Like, actually. Oh, yeah. So I just, I mean, a little bit about, I really, um, I really like talking to writers. I, I was in an MFA creative writing program for a while nice. and, and I got my BA in creative writing. And and so it's, it's really, uh, it's really cool to, st to talk storytelling with you guys. Like mm -hmm. I, I made a joke to uh, Kevin Cuff and Bob France. And I was like, I know you guys probably don't want to hear this, but like, I don't care if anybody listens to this or not. Like, I just want to talk making comic books with you guys. And I was like, I was like, but I mean, I'm sure people are going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well i think people want to hear the, the ins and outs and how it all works too i mean and, and i, I love bob and kevin i mean i love what they're doing that the shark stuff the metal shark bro like i adore that book yeah like, it's, good. it's so much fun <laughs> <laughs> that's what i really like uh one of the reasons i really like dealing with indie stuff right now is because there was a time where if someone told me that there was a serial kill serial killer comic where he he you know has a blow up doll with him everywhere because he's in a relationship with it i would have been like i don't know man like mm -hmm. there's no x-men <laughs> you know right. like where's where's the justice league so that that used that was me for a while and but that was because like you know when i was a kid like my dad got me into i really liked uh godzilla and and wolverine and my dad like kind of got me into that stuff and it, it took a long time for me to realize that like there were other comics out there that were that could tell a story that could tell any story they wanted to basically uh so it took me a few years to get there and i'm really glad i did uh because it's it's cool but yeah there was like when i heard about metal shark bro i was like okay i was like i've never heard of scout before like you know like i wasn't familiar and then man it's it's really good to be wrong sometimes. Oh, yeah. you know like it's like wow like every 
every page of that, I was like, wow, Blake, you're an idiot. Like, this is great. Like every, <laughs> and I had the same, the same um, thing happened when I read plastic. Cause I feel like everybody read that before I did. I was way late to the game <laughs> on plastic. And I was like, wow, like, I just can't believe. And then I read it and everybody was like, oh yeah, it's so good. And I was like, well, why didn't you tell me about this years ago? That's one of the best things about comic book Twitter and worst things is it's a constant massive amount of uh, recommendations, right. you know? And it's just like, everything everybody's really passionate about something everybody's reading something new every hour and and writing and posting about it everybody's got a new kickstarter out and a lot of these kickstarters look great and my bank account is like i quit i quit smoking cigarettes a, a while ago and it's and it it, it depressed me because i would be like the 7-eleven charges on my bank account i was like i'm just giving these people all my money and now it's all my all my like deals on my bank account are like kickstarter 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 yeah. and i'm just like man you're crazy <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, have, I suffer from the same thing you know it's like you're looking <laughs> at your bank account you're like you know comic book store comic book store kickstarter kickstarter comic book store comic book store and you're like man I buy a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I love it. I love it all. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause I think we're on the same, like, it sounds like we grew up very similar. Like I was a huge Godzilla fan nice. for, for years as a kid, you know, and kind of grew up with Godzilla was my thing and then bumped into the uncanny X-Men and then, you know, Godzilla and uncanny X-Men were like my world. Oh for, no, it's small world, man. That's yeah. awesome. You know, and I tried other stuff, you know, and it just never resonated with me, you know, and it's, and then, you know, the funny thing is I started bumping into indie books that I loved, like the Badger, you know, okay. back in the day and, uh, and the American and the Mark. And then, you know, Dark Horse was doing some cool stuff, you know, and their Dark Horse Presents back then. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's something other than just superheroes and monsters, you know? And so I was the same way. Like, it's like, it took that evolution of like going from those two things to going, oh, wait a minute, there's other stuff. Man, I I gotta like write an essay about the magic of like X Men and Godzilla, like what oh, yeah. what it, what what it does to the nerd psyche that propels us into a a lifelong like love filled hobby. <laughs> yeah, and it, what's interesting is that like if you look at both of those, they're not dip, like separate concepts. Yeah, they're all superheroes misunderstood, <laughs> and the under guys are underdogs in every scenario. And so the X-Men and Godzilla kind of follow that formula, at least, you know, back in those, you know, when yeah. they, you know, just one book, you know, it's like, oh, you're the outcast. Nobody loves you. Nobody wants you around. Oh, except when we need you. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, and it's like, so yeah, there's some similar themes there. I like how you threw in when there was just one book. Cause I I'm a big fan of the X-Men right now. And I, I, guest co-host on another podcast called X's for podcast. And mm -hmm. we're, everybody self-included like this hellfire gala is everything i wanted it to be and more and like it's so cool but yeah it's that's there's uh, i buy all the books and, and part of it i mean i want to and enjoy it but part of it is i'm on this x-men podcast so like i have to i have to read them yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh but it's it's great the the just massive amounts of x-men comics we have right now there's like at any time there's like nine or nine to 11 books out simultaneously. And yep. they're, they're, some of them feel like indie books, you know, like they don't oh, yeah. read like X-Men books of old and I'm really digging it. Uh, are you reading any of the new stuff? Oh yet? yeah. I mean, dude, it's, you know, Jonathan Hickman can do no wrong for me. <laughs> so like, you know, I mean, I do that. Everything he touches I'm in, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, you know, when I found out he was kind of taking over the X universe and he kind of is driving that, I was all in. Teeny Howard, 
I love teeny stuff. So yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, I'm definitely reading several of those books. I'm, I can't afford to get them all. Like you said, I mean, it's a little bit much for me, but yeah, I pick up several of them. So speaking of can't afford to get them all you're the whoever runs the 12 gauge Twitter account was trying real hard the other day to get me and my buddy uh, Matt to buy your, uh, the, the six piece virgin, uh, connecting oh, yeah. set. Yep. I, we, we want them so bad. Like, oh, I really do. And I, and I like now you can, I could buy them one at a time now, which I might do just to help the, the long oh, run yeah. oh, looking at my bank account balance. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, stop it. Like, I was like, I don't get paid for a few more days. Like give me a few more days. I re- and then I saw that they have the, the metal variant set of them too. Oh, and yeah. I was like, wow, I haven't bought a metal variant yet. I'm really interested in them. I, I just started getting into the like store exclusive variants um mm-hmm. and i'm I'm really into those and then once i got into those they did the you know there's the trade dress and the virgin variant where there's no branding on it or anything and that blew my mind i was like what there's no there's nothing on there it's just the art like and it's beautiful and it's it's almost like a print that you get at a con you know but it's a mm-hmm. comic cover now there's the metal variants and and the metal variants are not cheap oh no <laughs> no they're yeah they're you know they're just so expensive to make they you know, really are metal though right like it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's actual metal. metal okay yep that's crazy yep. hold on a second i have one here uh <laughs> this is the one we did for the thomas river thing for well it's like tell, a mirror like, oh yeah dude it's, this one had a lot of metal wow in it but like i mean it's a solid metal you know now i would say it's not a reading copy yeah you know, this is just for, you know, this is, is it going to like slice your hand up? <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, I think you could kill somebody with it, but like, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's the trick is like, you want to make sure like you have a regular copy too, to read, Uh-oh. but this is just, this is just, you know, this is Doug being like a collector and a fan, <laughs> you know, the only reason we, we did the metal covers and we keep doing metal covers is because Doug wants one on a shelf. I mean, it's a nice thick one. We did like 40 something pages for river. Okay. Um, but you know, we wanted to do like a really nice, you know, we at 12 gauge, we always try to printing is important to us. We want the book to look amazing just when you hold it. So that one's a little bit thicker, but you're right. I mean, on the, on the Yumi trade, that's the first time anybody's done a, a metal cover on a trade. So we kind of broke some ground there. See, and, um, I knew I should have did it. What's interesting about that is we figured like, man, I'm not sure we want people to try to read this. So th- and this is kind of like a secret, but we're just going to tell anybody that listens if you order the metal cover, we're throwing in a regular cover as well. Oh, cool. Kind of with like, hey, listen, the metal one's kind of for you to set aside and like worship, but we want you to have a reading copy, you know? So we, we, we decided we want to throw one in there so people wouldn't get mad if they tried opening it up and it's, you know, because the metal covers don't work as well as like a paper uh, cover. Oh, they're like the stiffness. I get it. Yes. Okay. So we wanted to make sure people would be happy with like the product we were sending out. Oh, um, yeah. I, oh, man. I, I can't even imagine the angry emails. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, oh, I I bought this expensive book that won't open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll open, you know, but like you said, like if you wanted to we we're hoping people want to read it more than once. You know, yeah. so like, you know, hey, here's a reading copy. It's well, I mean, yeah, especially with Yumi, like Yumi reads so quickly, it it's going to warrant multiple reads, I think, too. Let's it's hope. it's so yeah. fun. And it's so so freaking beautiful. I, I I forgot to mention earlier. I also really dug when you guys was it uh, whose idea was it? Like artist or writer? Because um, you guys the art style changes drastically on the flashbacks, like the the lovey dovey date night flashbacks to the yeah. to the ultra hyper violent like gorgeous neon present layout. Like how that happened? I think that that you know. And a lot of times what happens is it's just kind of like us on the phone riffing, right? You know, and, we're, and I was talking, I was like, man, 
I enjoy when flashbacks, when I can just flip through a book and I can tell here's the flashback. And so it was very important for Hoyt and I to like, we wanted that, that kind of feel for it. Now he went, Hey, wait a minute. That gives me an idea. Let me show, let me throw something at you. And when he first throwed it at me, cause it's so different. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, but yeah, I mean the whole art, the, the art style and how it came about was kind of like a collaborative thing. But what Hoyt did with it was like, I mean, you know, it took me a day to go, I'm going to have to think about this one because it's so different. But then, you know, I was like, you know what? Like we talked about earlier, we got to go for it. If this is what Hoyt wants to do, we have to go full speed. And so that's, you know, all of it, you know, the coloring and everything on on those was all Hoyt. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you guys agreed on that because it, it threw me off too because I was like, it's so mm-hmm. jarring, you know, like that juxtaposition of like rampant, gorgeous neon mm-hmm. murder to – uh, like a, a lighter sort of like pastel cutesy romantic tea party yeah. kind of scene, you know? And I was just like, what is <laughs> happening? And of course it it works so well. And it, and it, and it also works to like, you know, build up this love interest and it, shit, man, in my own mind, I was like sweating, like she going to get him. She going to yeah. get the guy. Like I just want her to get the guy. And then I love like the turn in the end where like, I'm agreeing with Jules and I'm like, you don't need no man. Like, <laughs> I was like, like anyway, you, you put me through a roller coaster of like emotions that I wasn't that expecting was to like feel during Yumi. I was like, wow, like this is, I, I mean, I really thought it was going to be like fun spy, you know, murder. And then, and then when you throw in like the daddy issues and the love interest and, and the car, like we got it, we got oh, to talk yeah. about it. I'm so glad. Like, how did you make a car that is cooler than any car? It's cooler than the Batmobile. It's cooler than, than, um, Back to the Future DeLorean. It's it's cooler than Knight Rider. Like you guys made the coolest okay. car. I mean, dude, like it's, it's such an interest. That one was an evolution during the creation of the story, like as we were writing the first script and Hoyt and I were just like, yeah, I mean, I was like, what kind of car do you want? He's like, I want a Lamborghini. I was like, okay. And then we started, you know, tinkering back and forth. And I was like, I think I want it to be AI. And so we kind of started, you know, just throwing stuff around. And we knew we wanted this car to be like almost the opposite of Yumi in a lot of ways, like, but still a lot of attitude. And so then we bumped in. Oh yeah. So much attitude. (laughs) Then we bumped into Cardi B. And Hoyt sent me an interview with Cardi B and he goes, what do you think? And I was like, oh my God, that's Jules. Like, so basically Cardi B, like we based Jules on Cardi B. And I mean, you know, I don't know how much you follow Cardi B, but like, I mean, even the sound effects that that Jules has. Oh, Oh, no, they were perfect. You guys did such, that was going to be my next question because I was like, I was like, I was, are, is like, Doug, are you, are you really oh, yeah. into Cardi B? Like, I mean, I love her music, you know, but I was like, I just didn't, I didn't expect, uh, I didn't, you guys nailed it. Like the, the tone, the vibe, everything that, that, that the car says, it's just like, yes, you know exactly who that car is at all times. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it was the fun part was watching all the interviews I could find of Cardi, you know, trying to figure out like, how she uses syntax. I love, you know, when she's like, yeah, and all those kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, let me figure out when she's using those and why. Cause you know, she says she has a meaning behind them. If you watch in her, any of her interviews. Oh, that's cool. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. And so it was like trying to figure all that stuff out. But like, I mean, like Kevin Gardner doesn't, he, he doesn't really follow Cardi. And so like, he's reading these things. He's like, I don't know what this yeah thing means. And I was like, yeah, it's, 
that's kind of specific to what we're doing. But, you know, again, it's, you know, it's like go full speed, right? It's like, let's just go for it. Let's do full Cardi B on it. You know, if you follow Cardi at all, you know, like, yeah, she's, she's this massive personality, but she's got a love, a lot of love in her heart. And so mm-hmm. that's, you know, Jules is like, Hey, how can we find this? And, you know, how can we turn and, and then I fell in love with the car, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, it's like, how did, how did this evolve? And it's like, well, we kind of came up with an idea in the beginning. And then the more and more I, we worked on Jules, the more and more I fell in love and went, oh my God, this is my favorite character in the book. And so, you know, try like, how, how much can I put her in the book? Like, you know, how much fun can I have with this? Yeah. I was, I was so glad that the car was a kid. The car was the other protagonist basically yes. i mean like um and and i loved yumi and i loved that was a really cool switch too um where you know we it's it's yumi in this re- this relationship that is all in 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 her flashbacks and in her mind right is what we get as a reader um and we believe it's true love because she believes it so you know the, a, you know you get this portion of the book that's a, dealing with this relationship but another a bigger part of the book is the relationship that blossoms the, the between Yumi and Jules Correct. and how like they are partners and not just partners. They're like friends. And she asked the car for advice and the car gives <laughs> her advice, you know, cause it's got this super AI inside of it. It's that just works so well. And I don't think I've really seen anything like that before. Like, I mean, we've seen smart cars and AI, but even if you didn't put the Cardi B spin on it, <laughs> I mean, that was still like a a very unique way to bring in like a robotic character as a car. Yeah. It was cooler than Transformers, man. Like, they don't even act that cool. (laughs) I think, I think the inspiration there might have been, you know, when I'm thinking about it, one of the things I was in love with when I was a kid was Herbie the Love Bug. And so, you know, as a kid, I imagined, oh, I, me and Herbie are best friends. (laughs) And so I think Jules, Jules and and Yumi's relationship might have evolved into what I wished me and Herbie the love bug were. (laughs) I think that's how that all came to be. That's got to be a cool part about the craziness of comics and the play, the weird places you can go is just like how you can take these, these dreams and like weird fantasies as a kid, then combine that with your adult self, who is now a talented writer who knows how to tell stories and then put that on the page. And then you send these scripts to a writer and then get these images back that like make it come to life. Like I, at one point in my life, I'd really like to experience that. Like, cause I hear that's like really cool. Like when you're making a book, the emails you get from the artist is like this sublime experience that's impossible to explain like the excitement. It's like, it turns you into a kid again at Christmas basically is the closest. Oh, I, can yeah. get to I mean, dude, it's, that that is one of the greatest parts of the job is when you get that kind of stuff. And um, especially if you find out you and the artist are on the same page. And, and a lot of times, like with Brian Stelfreeze and, and Hoyt and, and Daniel, it happens daily, right? Like, it's like you, you send a script and you're like, I'm not sure they're going to understand what I'm going for on this, in this <laughs> page. And you get the page back and you're like, oh my God, they not only got it, they took it to another level. You know, those are the days where you're like, oh, Daniel just made me look like a genius. Like, you know, he's, and, you know, you hear Daniel go, well, you wrote it. And I'll be like, no, but like, you never know what you're going to get back. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, dude, it's it, like you said, it's almost impossible to put into words because it's just like this feeling of like, oh, yes, we hit. This is it. This is what I wanted to do. This is this is almost perfection. You know, that those days are amazing. Are you a tight like script writer or do you kind of keep it a little looser for the artists? Like what's your preferred way of doing that? I'm, I'm pretty tight. I, I break yeah. it down panel by panel. I don't go like, I'm not a shot by shot guy. Like, you know, okay. Hey, you know, bird's eye view, 
you know, down shot, those kind of things. I don't get that complicated, but I do kind of give you as much information as I can. And that, that really comes from Brian helping me when I was a young writer. He, he, one of the things he always told me was he hates talking heads. And so he said, always in your scripts, if you're going to have somebody just talking, tell me what they're doing with their hands. Oh, okay. So he can do something. And what's cool is that adds some subtext. Cause if you got somebody talking to somebody about like, you know, I'm, I'm going to use your smoking background. If you got somebody talking to somebody about like, you need to live your life, right. You're not taking care of yourself and they're smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's subtext there that yeah. you wouldn't have known if you didn't say, Hey, what are they doing with their hands? I got and you. So, yeah. That's to me, like, that's one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was like, anytime you're writing a, a scene, if you just have somebody talking and it's just dialogue and it's just their head, that's not enough. You need okay. to give the artist, what are they doing besides talking? Well, and that's so, also a good way to like, get your characters known too, like, like, a you know, fidgety, fidgety people or, or, or yes, like the, the hypocrite smoking a cigarette telling you how you should, you know, live your life. Care, yeah. You should get out of the chair, man. Go outside. <laughs> <Exercise>. <laughs> um, I, I did want to ask, I mean, cause, cause Yumi was very self-contained and I, I also really appreciated that, especially with it being a Kickstarter. Um, cause you know, it, it's a, it's a bummer when, it's exciting and a bummer in Kickstarter just because of the, the time that you wait and you don't mm -hmm. get that monthly release, you know, when they leave you on a cliffhanger and then you're yeah. like, and then you're like, hopefully we get it. And then hopefully it gets funded. And then, you know, like there's that chance that you may not ever get the ending or something. And Yumi was very self-contained, but I, like, are, are you ever going to go like back to her and Jules, you think like, Oh yeah, I'm that, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I know Hoyt's got uh he's, he's in the middle of doing some really cool stuff with uh, Trey Walker you know, the guys that uh, did last stop and, and they're doing mongrel on webtoons. Cool. And as, uh, hopefully as soon as he clears up that schedule a little bit, we'll get back to doing some more Yumi. Cause yeah, we both love that, that book. Awesome. So, you guys, if I, I don't mean, I don't remember like the exact numbers, but I, your Kickstarter did pretty well too. I, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. Couldn't be happier. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, it's, you never know when, um you know, when you're doing those things, how they're going to do. Uh, we, we got funded the first week and I think we ended up around, 2530 for the total thing. And that, you know, what's great about that is like Kevin kind of funded Kevin Gardner with 12 gauge. He kind of funded most of the book being made. So he kind of, he helped, uh, you know, he didn't get like a major page rate, but he got enough to like help pay bills. Uh, he paid nice. for the coloring and the lettering and obviously the design of the book. What's great about the Kickstarter is now we're back to zero. So Kevin, does, we don't owe Kevin any money. Oh, and that's, okay. To me, that's always the biggest, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, I just don't want any of my books to lose anybody any money. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that's, that's the wonderful thing about Kickstarter and how it can help you like make sure your books are, are paid for. Nice. Cause I noticed that, I mean, yeah, tw like 12 gauge was very, you know, like in the update, like the email updates we got during the campaign and then like in the checkout process, uh, which was like, <laughs> which if you guys would have like sent that survey out like a week later, like I would have spent so much money because <laughs> you guys, you sent that, um, that you sent that cool digital sampler out mm -hmm. with some of the other uh, books that, that they did. And I was really impressed with that. Like, I thought that was really cool and was into it. You guys sent the, the deal out and it was like, all right, well, do you want any of this? And I was like, 
I want all of this, but I was like, like, you know, and I'm always scared with Kickstarter. Cause I always see those emails where people are like, yeah, so like three assholes haven't done your survey yet. And we don't know where to ship this. And, and right. I'm like, I'm never going to be that asshole. Like I'm right. going to have, when you guys send me that email, I'm going to tell you where to ship it and what my email address is and what I want my name to look like in your book. You know, I'm not going to make you guys wait on me. And so, yeah, like, but if you would have waited like a week for that survey email, man, I was going to, I was going to go in hard on the 12 gauge. Cause that, that sampler was a really smart move by them to oh, yeah. kind of throw that out with the Yumi trade. That was over a hundred pages too. Like, and it was, it was a digital deal, but it was still like well put together. So, I mean, yeah, I just, I have, a, I have this feeling, I don't have an actual 12 gauge physical anything yet. Uh, but I mean, I just, I have a feeling that it's like polished, nice. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's not a comic that you're going to like open and be like, could they have used thinner paper? <laughs> right. This might very well fall apart while I'm reading it. <laughs> we, we, I mean, Kevin, Brian and I all feel very similar in that we always try to over deliver. And so, like you said, you know, like we're sending extra PDFs and putting new stuff in PDFs. And, and when we print stuff, we want it to be the, like when we hold it, we want to be happy. And so we always try to deliver more than we promise. You know, that's not always possible, obviously from a financial <laughs> standpoint, but uh, but we do try. And so I think with 12 gauge and, you know, Brian and myself, we, we really follow that philosophy on a regular basis. Like, hey, how can I, how can I take care of the people that are helping us nice. do this? You know, that's a good, that's a good philosophy. I mean, as a consumer, I, I appreciate it. You know, like I, I buy a lot of comics. It's, it's, I buy a lot of, uh, I really love omnibuses, you know, mm -hmm. like I have like a, a lot of, I pre-order my Marvel omnibuses and I, I get DC when I can. And if you can give me 700 pages of something in a hardcover, I'm probably going to buy it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, I, it's, I just, it, when you think about it and break down the price, it, it's a little cheaper, but yeah. I just, I just, I think they look cool on the shelf, you know, like I just, I like having everything there, but yeah, like it's, I've spent like a hundred dollars on a book before. Um, it, it, this was a, a huge publisher and they used to be known for this too. And, and the glue wouldn't hold and uh, the book would fall. Apart. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and it's like, what do you do? I, I bought this thing from a comic book shop like eight months ago. Cause I rarely buy a book and read it right away. My singles right. and stuff I do, you know, but I buy a lot of books. So it's like, I got to be in the mood for something one day. So like, Oh, I've had this thing for eight months and it just like crumbled into pieces. <laughs> like, what do I do? Uh, but then that, that I actually found out you can repair all that. Like I, I learned about book glue, like you can buy book glue on Amazon. So I was like, Oh, huh. cool. But anyway, long story short, I really appreciate when publishers put out nice trades. Um, I'm one of those geeks that'll be like, Oh, the paper stock feels great. Like turning these pages is pleasant. When I, I want to turn a page and be like two pages are stuck together. I know two pages are stuck. Nope. That's just one nice thick page. Yeah. I'm the same way, dude. It's like anytime I can, you know, it obviously, as we've discussed, so like there's financial aspects involved, but I'm the same as you. It's like, man, make this book as thick and, and <laughs> meaty as you can. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be able to pull it out of the bag and go, ooh, this feels hefty. Like yeah. this feels like something. And if you can do that to me when I pick up the book, I'm probably going to enjoy it just because I like the feel of the book. <laughs> like you know, like it, it changes my mindset, right? Like there's a trigger that goes, Ooh, this is nice. I should, I should add an element to my reviews. Like foodies, like talk about mouthfeel be like yeah. the book, the book feel was really oh, solid. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, wouldn't you? yeah. Like hand feel or something like that, you know, like texture or whatever. And be like, yes, this has got a, you know, nine out of 10 for texture. You know, like, yeah, you should. <laughs> 
So back to back to 12 gauge. So these are the titles that you've worked on. So there's there's Thomas River, which you showed us that beautiful the metal yeah, cover, the cover a yeah. moment ago. And then there's the ride, the hard mm-hmm. place, and 25 to life. Correct. And then, but I mean, you guys also have like a wealth of other titles and creators um, that work with you. So for people like me that are very new to 12 gauge and what, what would be like a couple good books to check out from you guys? I mean, that one's always tough, but it's a, yeah, the hard place is a self-contained story that I think you don't, you know, the ride's more of an anthology. So you get like a lot of really cool short stories. Oh, okay. So depending on what you're feeling, you know, like, I mean, there's, you know, Tom Coker did some amazing horror stories with the ride that I would always recommend. Nice. And they're all like one shots. Um, the hard place. Um, if you're into fantasy mages, kill Whitey Donovan. They came out through dark horse. The 12 gauge did okay is a very interesting one that i think people should check out because it's kind of like a civil war style book that um it's, you know it's just well done you know it's just a, it's not like anything else out on the market you know obviously i'm going to pitch you know I, yourself I, I, yeah I, I, I always <laughs> refrain from like putting the spotlight on myself but like i'm um, you know obviously the ride's the standing book from 12 gauge and has okay. evolved over time so the good thing about that is most of those stories are self-contained and you don't have to worry about like, oh, I have to get them all to enjoy them all. You know, you can like, you can pick your favorite artist and go, oh, well, Dave Johnson did one. Oh yeah. Brian Stelfridge did one. Let me get oh, that cool. one. You know, those kind of things. However, the voices in my head will not like if I'm missing volumes or issue numbers. Like no, that. no. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to get them all. You know, if you're completist, you have to get them all. Yeah. I mean, the ride is, you know, the staple. Um, but yeah, the dude, they've done some, you know, 12 gauge. We've done some, some really good books over, over the years. Nice. Mick Foley actually wrote one for us. Oh, really? RPM. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm, I'm writing these down while you're saying it. <laughs> it's called RPM. And it's like, it's an interesting, like, Mick, Mick is a great guy. And it's interesting to see, like, how his brain works when he's coming up with a story. I remember uh, his his uh, autobiography he put out many years ago. Uh, that mm-hmm. was really cool, too. And I, I remember reading it as a kid or a teenager. I don't remember how old I was. I, <laughs> I, was, I was. I was really into wrestling, like pre-teenager was when I was really into it. But I got that book, man. And like when he would talk about like piss and blood and just like all you ever hear about is wrestling's fake and, and he would be like i mean yeah it's fake but like you get the shit kicked out of you oh yeah well it's, it's interesting i mean yeah there's stories and there's fiction in the stories but i would argue that those are probably the some of the best stunt people in the history oh. of stunt people you know like i mean they they all take a beating and you know when you see people like Jeff Hardy jumping off a, you know, a 40 foot ladder. Yeah. Like... You know, into tables <laughs> and you're like, um, that can't feel good. Like those aren't <laughs> empty boxes or pads. Those are tables. Like, and they're like landing on their side. Like, oh, it's, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm not one to ever say like wrestling is fake. Cause yeah, like they do, like you said, climbing on a ladder or climbing on a cage and how many times during a ladder match do like, they fall off those things so many times. And, and a mm-hmm. lot of times I think not all of them are planned either. Oh, you know? No, yeah. I know some, I know that they know, you know, that they're, if you're like a big time wrestler and they come to you and they're like, you're, going to do a ladder match and they're like damn it (laughs) (laughs) like uh, like, i'm gonna hurt for a month (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's funny because i mean you know with mick you know we got to hang out with him at one of the shows and at one point you know i I doubt if he'd even remember our exchange but like at one point i said something he kind of gave me this dirty look you know and, and i was like listen i know i can't possibly hurt you like no matter what I did as a human being, <laughs> I, you have been through more pain than I can possibly inflict. But 
your knees are shot and I can outrun you. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was like, and I'm not, I'm not too proud to run, dude. You know, so it was just like one of those funny things. He kind of giggled at it. Cause you know, it was like, I was like, I know I can't physically hurt you. Like, I know I can't throw a punch that's going to do any, like you laugh at it. Like, <laughs> um, and then there was, I saw there was another one. You guys modeled the main character after Rosario Dawson. Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. What was it uh, was like the occult task force or something. Yep, occult, occult crimes task force, OCT. There we go. Um, you know, and I'm friends with all those guys too. So David Atchison and, and Rosario wrote it, co-wrote it together actually. Oh, she did like work yep. on the, okay, cool. Oh yeah. And uh, Tony Chastain did the art. He's incredible. Again, you know, get, we get to hang out with Rosario quite a bit and um, just, a, she's a wonderful human being. Like, I mean, it, she does not, you can't get the true heart of Rosario from interviews and stuff. Like, I mean, she would do con, she did cons on that for that book for like five years in a row. Wow. And you'd see a little kid walk up that she met the first year on year five and she'd go, Hey Rosie, how are you doing today? Wow. Like she remember that, their That's name. crazy. Yeah. That's especially as many people as, I mean, let alone like the, as many people as you meet as a con circuit, but to be like a, a top tier actor, yeah. like all the people you meet, they'll just like be, remember faces and names. Like that's impossible. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful human being. So far, I mean, that's what's been lucky about everything we've done at 12 Gauge. Almost everybody we worked with has been just wonderful human being. Like we did the Boondock Saints stuff. And, you know, this was Norman Reedus before he, it was Norman Reedus, right? Yeah. Like Walking Dead Norman Reedus. And uh, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus were just like the sweetest, most wonderful guys wow. like to hang out with. Sean Patrick Flannery and I got to the con one day early, you know, just because sometimes you just wake up and you're like, oh, I just might as well go to the show. And we hung out and talked for like an hour. Nothing about oh, acting, cool. nothing about comics, just talking, you know, just general talking. And dude, yeah, wonderful human being. Man, so like, there definitely sounds like there's some magic in Twelve Gauge. Like, I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna have to drop some bones and get these books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to I, check them out. I mean, that's what I've been lucky. Everybody that's so far, almost everybody we've worked with has just been like the nicest, funnest people to hang out with. You know, and in a show, you're worn out, right? Like you're tired. Yeah. You've been there for twelve hours every day, and you're eating garbage. You know. <laughs> And the, you know, three day three, you're hanging out with Sean Patrick Flannery or Rosario or Mick, and they're still good people. That means cool. they're good people. Yeah. You know, like, you know, they're tired, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, the stuff you guys do for, for fans at these cons. And, and I mean, I know it, it works in your favor too, in regards of like, you know, book sales. And I'm, I'm sure there's a, I, I'm not like a smart money person, but I'm sure there's a difference <laughs> between like, selling books in person at a con and then like people buying them from like amazon or even like a comic book store you know like in regards of like what dividends you get out of that so i mean like i'm sure that helps especially with artists who can do like commissions and stuff at cons and have like a line for people that want sketches and you can sell them for 100 bucks a pop or something like that depending on who you are but i mean still the what you guys put up with fans even with the money that some of us give you like yeah, there, it's so much to deal with and and I, and it's non-stop like you know like like you said like it's just a people a rove of people like all day especially if you're sitting next to rosario dawson like there's that's going to be like the the line you know like oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah the, dude when you're sitting next to rosario or mick or any of those actors um and even some of the you know some of the artists that i've been able to work with like brian Stelfreeze, like nobody's there to talk to me you know, like you know, it's like, and you know, as as hard as it is for me to admit this, Rosario is a lot prettier to look at than me. So, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, you know, like you, you you have to kind of set your ego to the side and go, listen, I'm I'm more here for Rosario and the fans than I am for Doug. 
And so, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, so I know some people would do, you know, like, oh, my God, you know, you're sitting next to Adam Hughes and everybody's there to talk to Adam Hughes. It's like, well, of course they are. Yeah, you know, but I would he, think you'd get like spillover too. Like, oh, yeah, you do. You'll get people to go, oh, I, I know who you are too. Oh, you worked with Adam on this yeah. book. And then this, you have a new fan. This this cover looks cool or your backdrop looks cool. I'm going to check out your booth too. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, there's, there's, I, I'm sure there's a, you could get past the, if you think about, I guess the dollar, the possible extra couple bucks you might make would be helpful to get past the ego. Money is my fuel for like everything. Like that's how I quit smoking <laughs> cigarettes. You know, like I was like, I started thinking about all the money I could save. And you know, some weeks, especially when my work in this, in the busy seasons with my work, when I would smoke more and it was like, I was like, man, that's like an omnibus a week. If yeah. you know, like, I was like, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> so, so like, you know, like money is a, is a way that I, and it's not like a cure-all. Like I'm not, if I would be unhappy all the time if money was my cure-all because I don't have a lot of it, but it's just like, I use money a lot to judge things. And that would be one of the deals would be like, yes, like, I don't care if you're here to see Blake Morgan, but like there's a hundred people in that line and they might see something I have here that oh yeah get some cash for yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and not have to like drag it back <laughs> and, yeah and stuff on the to the airports and stuff like you guys have to do oh yeah that's that's the nightmare your biggest nightmare is how much of this am i going to have to carry back on the plane <laughs> you know like, you know that, that's a bad show you know if you're if you're carrying 50 pounds back that's yeah. <laughs> that, that's not a good day and that's the key of the show right like i mean that's why you don't want to wait for the fire sale because i've only bought brought three boxes with me as creators, if you're doing it your own and you have your own table, you're trying to figure out, I want to come back with maybe one copy of everything. That's mm. a perfect show. That means I brought the perfect amount. Yeah. You never guess that. Like that's never, that's <laughs> never going to happen. Right. But you're trying to guess it. So you're right. Like, I mean, it's like, oh, I only brought five copies of a metal cover because I didn't think I was going to sell that many. And lo and behold, I sold them all on Friday. You know, now I'm beating myself up and you're like, <laughs> oh my God, I missed out on it. You know, yeah. you're like, oh man, and, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, those that's the downside to cons. That's the only thing I don't like about cons is trying to figure that stuff out. Cause we have, we have planet here, which is going to happen in August, which I'm still like, I, I want to go. Cause there's some cool guys. I'd really like, like David Max going to be there. He's one of like the bigger comic attractions coming, you know, Colin Bunn's a, a Midwest guy. So he's going to be, he's at, he's at every planet con. And um, I just, I haven't got to go to one in a, in a very long time, but I, I still don't know if I want to be around tons of people oh, yeah. like, you know, like I'm yep. like, eh. so that I, I'm, I'm still going back and forth on that. Uh, just cause of the weirdness. And I, uh, what did Bob France told me? He was like, Bob France was like, you can elbow bump people. And he was like, or just wave at him and be like, I'm not touching you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, it's, you know, the pandemic's definitely influenced all that. And, you know, I've, I've signed up for a few shows at the end of this year, but oh, really? again, I'm yeah. But with the typing out the email going, Hey, listen, this just, so you know, it's tentative. If, if numbers get crazy again, I might be out, you know, yeah. it, it depends on your town. Or it depends on the airline kind of thing too. Like, you know, I mean, like, and so, you know, if numbers start going up, you know, am I going to, I mean, I'm vaccinated, but I'm still like, I don't know if I want to get on a plane full of people that might have yeah. know, whatever new variants. I'm not up. really trying to test the vaccination. <laughs> no, like, no, I don't no. want to push it to its limits. <laughs> I'm not a fucking scientist. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I'm scared of this stuff. But I mean, there's the other part of me that like, and, you know, I'm desperate to be around my people. Yeah. You know, like I just want to be around like comic people in a con and like, you know, what I love about shows is, is 99% of the time, everybody's accepted for who they are, for what they love. And we're just all there celebrating 
mm-hmm. what we love. And I love that aspect of it. Like everybody's there like, Hey, we just want to buy stuff <laughs> that we enjoy. And I'm the same way. Like, dude, I spend my, you know, I spend an hour every day walking the show going, what do I want to buy? What have I had? <laughs> you know, and so I miss that desperately. Like, you know, I mean, I was used to doing that like eight to 10 times a year, you know, and I haven't done that now in almost, you know, two years. Yeah. And it, uh, I can't wait to get back to it. But at the same time, I want it to be safe for everybody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it's it is it's such a cool environment. And and the vibe I'm getting from you is you're you're very easy to talk nerd with. And you're obviously <laughs> yeah. excited to talk comics, whether they're, you know, yours or, or others. So I could definitely see how something that you'd miss. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, at least it's I like that, like the local signings and stuff are starting to come back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like e- ease it in, you know, like yep. baby steps. Right. And then so. So when, when you go to do your vinyl signing today, like, um, is this like your local shop that you shop at and stuff too? Yeah, it's one of the, yeah I actually shop at a couple of local shops here. So I'm, I, you know, I try to get deep in, into figuring out how retailers work. Nice. So I stay friends with everybody, but yeah, it's a local show that or a local show, a local shop that I'm really familiar with. When you, when you get to know these guys, are you like, like when your new comic comes out on Wednesday, are you like texting everybody? Like, so like how many did you order? What's sold? <laughs> I try not to get, I don't want to get into the details of that. My, my thing is I want to know their strategies. Mm. And it's interesting because I'm friends with a lot of owners now and we'll talk strategy and none of them are the same. Oh, really? Yeah. So like, you know, one store will be like, Hey, back issues are my thing. And another story you'll talk to and they're like, listen, trades run my show or wow. my store, you know, and the other one's like, oh, no, monthly book or, you know, the, the periodicals are the ones that run my sh- my store. And so you start talking about like their different order ordering strategies because of that. And it's just, you know, and why do they order? Because, you know, like obviously when I'm in solicitations for something like vinyl, you're like, how am I going to get retailers to order my book out of the 500 that are coming out this month? Yeah. You know, and and if they do order it, how am I going to help them sell it to people when there's 500 other books on the stands? You know, <laughs> like, and so that's where I get involved in like, you know, how do how can you be different? How can you set yourself apart so that retailers and fans will pick up your book? That's cool. I bet that really helps when you like launch a Kickstarter or like working mm-hmm. with 12 gauge like that. I bet I bet that helps like a lot with like selling strategies and trying to be ahead of the game, like yeah. putting out putting out a metal hardcover. Or, yeah. the, or the or metal bookmarks or stuff like that and then all i mean all speaking of being like ahead like you know now we've got like keanu reeves is working on that boom book with with matt kent and then like and you guys were working with celebrities like years ago oh yeah on these books that like when i saw the boondock saints book i just thought it was like a movie tie-in like i didn't realize that these the actors and and people were working with you guys to tell the stories too like that's really cool Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously we didn't bump into Keanu Reeves and, and get that kind of like, you know, I mean, you know, Keanu's just one of those magical like celebrities that like you get him and it's, you know, as long as the book's decent and, you know, I think they've done a great job on the book. But like if you put Keanu Reeves' name on it, it's going to move. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that would have been phenomenal. You know, I, I, I can't I'm sure Matt can't like lost his mind when they were like, hey, you want to work with Keanu Reeves? And you're like, what? You know, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, we didn't get to work with anybody that was, you know, in that stage yet. Um, I think Rosario and obviously Norman and even Sean Patrick Flannery, um, they, they achieved that after, you know, Uh, they worked with us on a book. It it wasn't quite, (laughs) you know, they weren't quite the level that they are now. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was, dude, and it was a blast. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. sure Matt's having a good time with Keanu as well. That's why I, I, one of my favorite deals about Kickstarter now too, is, is I like it when like, you know, seasoned 
people like you or Matt Kent or put out Kickstarters because it's cool. I like getting to know some of these Kickstart creatives now because it's like, especially when you get something really special. You know, I, I had this guy, I did an interview with this guy and he wrote this really phenomenal comic and no one knows his name yet. And like, what's going to happen in like five, seven, you know, 10 years, you know, like you could be, you could be talking to the next, you know, like Tom King or, you know, the next Doug Wagner or, the, you know, the next Alex Ross, you never know, man. I think that's part of the Kickstarter magic, but also, and, but like I said, like, I'm really happy when um, even these, these big name creators are coming on. I think it's good for the little people too, because mm -hmm. there was that kind of stigma a while back where it was like oh well you it's the same with like pros it's like oh you self-publish that oh <laughs> you know like there's this like uh there's a total judgment on it you know and now we know like you know no like just because just because a pitch doesn't work doesn't mean it's not a good comic or like you mentioned with yumi um part of the reason why you guys did yumi on kickstarter was because of the pandemic mm -hmm. it made more sense to do that Yep. Yeah. To, I mean, totally. I mean, it, I love the idea of Kickstarter and, and how that's going to, I think it's going to help evolve the the industry. Like look at Scott Snyder doing Noctera yeah. on, on there and making enough money to kind of pay for the book in advance so that he didn't have to worry about that. Like that takes something off your mind that creatively you don't have to, it's not always on your shoulders. You know, boom, doing the, the Berserker book with Keanu on Kickstarter just brought thousands of new fans to Kickstarter that, did, that weren't there previously, which I will say helped my book because they yeah. did theirs first. You know, there's people now that can go, oh, I have a Kickstarter account. Let me go just click buy. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I think it helps everybody. Like it helps a little guy that nobody's heard of, you know, just, tr just trying to break in, you know, self-publishing his book all the way up to somebody like Scott Snyder, who's like, hey, can I fund this book instead of paying it out of my own pocket and get it, go ahead, you know, go ahead and, and deliver something special to the fans and be able to put my book out without having to worry about money. You know, I mean, it just, it just, you know, I think it's going to help evolve the industry to a place we haven't seen before. You just like blew my mind kind of, cause I was never one that was angry at Snyder or some of these big name people, but a lot of people uh, were vocal and, and disappointed about it where they're like, wait, you're doing a Kickstarter and you raised like over a hundred thousand dollars and image is going to put your book out. Like they're like, people got kind of hostile about it. And I was just like, Hey man, what like people that bought it, bought it. And it was mm -hmm. a cool addition that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere. But I always kind of wondered why they did that. Same with Boom. Like you have you have attached Keanu Reeves to this book. It's going to move. Uh, Matt Ken is a great writer. He's got a big following. These he his books move anyway. You know, like yeah. like let alone if if you put freaking John Wick on the cover, man. Like <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but I always kind of wondered that. But I I now like that's clicking because like Tony Daniels is a phenomenal freaking artist and i couldn't even imagine what his page rate is you know right. um but like if you can pay that page rate and have the artist sitting comfortable like ready to work and ready to draw not worried about getting paid then like yeah those deadlines aren't as heavy on yeah. your shoulders as they would be otherwise i didn't even think about that part yeah i mean especially you know the boom one's an interesting one because the company i think like you said i think that book would have been successful if they had just done the comic but to be able to go to keanu and say hey listen we made a million dollars on kickstarter here's your cut you know <laughs> is i think something that like oh keanu goes oh this is something i can really get behind mm -hmm. like we did well i made some money doing this let's keep doing it and uh with scott the different when you know when you're doing a book through image image doesn't like pay you a page rate you know, if your book doesn't succeed, you don't make money. And so I think, you know, for Scott, he's like thinking, man, I don't want to talk Tony into doing this. 
and then us not make money doing it. But now all of that's taken off his shoulders. He doesn't have to worry if Tony's going to get paid his regular page you. rate and if he's going to make money. And if the book does well, which obviously it even did on, you know, in, in comic book shops, you don't have to worry about like, hey, do I have to like go crazy promoting this book to make us money? Scott went, oh, I've made, you know, we've made our money. And, and you know, I, I talked to Scott because he helped us with our Kickstarter as well oh, cool. a little bit. And he was like, it made enough. What was funny is Scott didn't go, let me take this money and put it in my bank account and buy me a, myself a car. He went, oh, I'm going to take every penny we make from this and do more comics. You know, and I think anybody that loves comics, I think that's what we do. Like, I do the same thing. It's not like I go, oh, I'm going to go buy myself a Lamborghini so I can be like Yumi. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> okay, if I make money, I'm going to pay more artists to do more books. You know, so I think anybody that's in this industry, that's that's our, you know, we're that's our driving force is like, especially as writers, I think we're like, we want to do more books. We want to create more content. Nice. And that's what Kickstarter can help us do. And then your leftover, you put to the next project. Exactly. I, that's, yeah. So you're like, yeah. So you get your book and then you invest in yourself. Kind of. That's dope. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hope people hear this and realize that. Because I like I said, I, I love Scott Snyder. I love his books. He's, he seems like one of the nicest people in the world. And a mm -hmm. great dad. Like, all his Twitter is just like dad of the year all the time. You know? Right. Like, so he just seems like this really incredible guy. And, and to have all these people like... They, they didn't turn on him, you know, because his book's still selling well and he's still got tons of fans. But a lot of people were just like, oh, it's a cash grab. And I was like, I really don't think it is. I think there's a method behind the madness, which we kind of covered here. That's cool. Oh, yeah. And I it, learned it, something, audience. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I always like it when we do something together and we learn from it. <laughs> so vinyl, let's see. I know you got a signing to go to, so I don't, I, I would love to talk to you forever, but I, I know oh, yeah. you're, you're a busy man. Um, vinyl number two is going to come out in July. Correct. Um, and it's going to be a six issue mini. Yumi is going to ship fairly soon. The physical yep. copy. Well, right? if uh, for people that like didn't back the Kickstarter, are there going to be extra copies on 12 oh, pages yeah. website? You think? Yep. You can still get the copies through the backer kit. Really, yeah. I want people to read it. Like it's really good. It's just, that's a special, that's a special wild little book that just like took me on a really magical little roller coaster, man. Like it was oh, awesome. awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. I really dug it. It, it. That's another deal. Like about Kickstarters. I, I some stuff sounds cool, but then it, it, you know, you take a risk on it, you know, like, mm -hmm. and it ends up not always being, you know, what you thought it was going to be or something. This was that, but in a good way, like, you know, like <laughs> I was like, I was like, Oh, it's going to be like a sexy spy. I, I was thinking like, you know, femme fatale noir spy thriller thing, you know? And, and instead it's this like really comical, upbeat, weird love story, <laughs> buddy cop drama with a, with a, with a spy in her car. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to put it. Um, so, so yeah, like definitely we need to, uh, fans need to check, check out the 12 gauge website. Definitely going to check out this list of literature that you gave yes. me for 12 gauge. I'm excited. <laughs> Do you have like, um, any, anything on the horizon that you want to like uh, mention or sneak or, or any, anything we can promote for you? Not yet. I mean, obviously, you know, with vinyl number one coming out this this week, actually. Yeah, we're still in that same week. It seems like it's already <laughs> been two weeks. But um, I mean, vinyl's my number one thing right now. So, you know, obviously that's what I want to push. And then you know, everything else is coming out next year. Vinyl vinyl's enough for me. I feel like it's gonna <laughs> I feel like it's gonna like hold me over because I just can't imagine like we talked about earlier how how crazy that first issue was. And I just cannot imagine the weird places you're gonna take Dennis and Walter. Oh yeah. That's in what I'm that, hoping. In that cult mansion's basement, like <laughs> the wild things that are going to happen. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's a reason why we call it the sunflower death bunker. 
So (laughs) it's going to be crazy. Doug, this was really cool, man. Like, thank you so much for, for doing this on a, on a Saturday on your, on your day off. Like, like this was awesome. I'm a big fan of yours. I will keep buying your books and, uh, if you do, if you do a Kickstarter or whatever, I'm I'm there for you, bud. Oh, thanks, man. I I truly appreciate you having me on the show. Anytime I can, you know, help spread the word and like we talked about, get to talk to somebody who loves comics as much <laughs> as I do. It's always a win. Nice, man. Yeah, I know you did. You were on. Um, you were on the burritos. You did oh, the yeah. burrito show, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did that a couple of months ago. Yeah, I, I remember watching you on there, and you see, I'm I'm watching the people on them, seeing like who sounds easy to talk to, and no, I'm, just, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm just stealing all their thunder. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, yeah, you might as well. Yeah, you, I mean, you always wanted to be entertaining, right? So yeah, I, well, what's cool about that group is on Twitter and stuff is like they we've shared contacts with publishers with each other. You know, like it's not really mm-hmm. a competitive thing. Um, everybody kind of wants to like work together and everybody wants to put out cool content and, you know, we all try and like retweet each other and do shout outs and stuff. So it's, I, I, that's what I was kind of nervous about. I was like, man, I'm going to start doing reviews and put out these YouTube videos. And I've never been one that's like, Oh, do you like me? And now when I put out videos and stuff, I'm like, do people think this is cool? Like, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of ner- like, it's kind of nervous. Like I like a minute feeling of probably what you feel when you like launch a Kickstarter and you're like, you're like, are people going to back this? Or like, you know, like it's been a couple days, like what's going to happen. Cause it sounds like, uh, I know some guys are like constant refreshers and like, like texting the, uh, the rest of the creative team. Like, do you guys see the numbers? Like, is anyone worried? And then some people are like, I turn my phone off. Like, I don't want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it, when it <clears throat> normally would like reviews and numbers and that kind of stuff, I kind of steer away from it, you know, until mm. the, the game's over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I pay more attention to like what people, how people are responding. Nice. And like you said, it seems like so far the response has been pretty positive. So, you know, as long as people are enjoying it, that's what's important to me. Yeah. I'll worry about the numbers and stuff later. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I like, I put that stuff to the side. I'm like, I don't care Do people like the story. That's all I care about. Well, uh, you got a great story, man. I, f- I feel like you built a really good uh, uh, audience around plastic. Um, a lot of, a lot of good people. Uh, and also like friends of mine that have like YouTube channels and blogs and stuff like people really love that book. And it's got as weird as that book is. And as weird as this to say, it's got like a, a spot in our hearts, you know, like it's going to live there forever uh, just because it is so charming and different and weird and oddly pure. And I feel like you have carried that vibe perfectly into this new comic book vinyl uh, that, you know, I think having the mostly the same creative team with you helps. You guys all know how to work together. You guys all know how to tell a story together. And Mm -hmm. like, I just, I'm so, man, I'm so excited. Like, I can't wait for issue two and well, to see I hope where you live goes. up to your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, I can deal with it. <laughs> Doug, thank you so much, man. Uh, enjoy your signing today. Where can we find you on, on Twitters and socials? Twitter and socials. Uh, obviously I do Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram the most like with uh, it's either Doug period Wagner 13 or it's Doug underscore Wagner. So you obviously I'm, I have a very recognizable large head, so you'll see, you'll see my face on any of those. I don't try to hide my photos or anything. (laughs) Definitely follow Doug, everybody keep an eye on his stuff. If you haven't read vinyl yet, what is wrong with you? Go to your shops right now, buy it. It's worth it. It's pay double for it. Tip the local, local comic book store owner just for the privilege of going in there and buying it. That's how good it is. Like Doug, man, you are awesome. I'm excited about 
just everything you're doing, your attitude with the community, how nice you are on social media, how kind you are to your fans. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for coming on Blake's Buzz. Again, my pleasure, dude. Really, it was. It was a blast. <laughs>